Welcome to the Dome Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tabritz, and it's time for the Syracuse basketball season to get underway. This Tuesday, November 9th, Syracuse takes down Lafayette at the Dome, and I'm excited because in a breakdown last year, look at the players that left, players that came in, the schedule, and more. If this is the first time you've ever listened to the Dome Dog Podcast, I've been a Syracuse basketball fan my whole life, and now I'm going to share my thoughts with everyone. Thanks for joining me. Last year was a crazy season with COVID and games being canceled and being rescheduled and not playing as many games overall, no fans. It was a roller coaster, and on selection night, Syracuse fans were sweating again, but the Cuse made it as an 11 seed. They played San Diego State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. San Diego State was a 6 seed, Syracuse was the 11 seed. And a lot of pundits and the different networks were saying San Diego State was going to win this game easily. Well, they couldn't have been more wrong because Syracuse absolutely dominated San Diego State with their zone defense. San Diego State shot 11 for 40 from three and only had 18 points at the half. It was 32-18 at the half. Syracuse won the game 78-62. Obviously, San Diego State started to hit some more shots towards the end of the game and made it closer. But if you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. It wasn't that close. And Buddy Beheim was absolutely on fire, hitting 30 points, 7 to 10 from 3. He really kind of carried the torch for Syracuse in the NCAA. Second round game was a lot closer. Syracuse won 75-72 behind Buddy Beheim's 25 points. Buddy Beheim. 55 points in the first two games of the NCAA tournament. Third most by any Syracuse player in that time span, meaning two games, how many points? So he had 55. Gary Clark had 60 points in two-game span once, and Jerry McNamara had 56 in a two-game span. If you remember that run in 2004, the year after they won the national championship, he carried them the first game against BYU. But for Buddy Bayham to be in that sort of class... That gave a lot of attention to Syracuse on the radio shows and the TV shows. And no one was really talking about Houston because they barely survived against Rutgers in the second round. But Houston obviously had a pretty good game plan against Syracuse because Buddy Beheim, first two games, 55 points. The third game, 12 points. Shot three for 13. Shooting overall, not one for nine for three. And... They had the game plan down, and it worked. I mean, Syracuse only had 20 points at the half. They scored 46 overall. They lost the game 62-46. There were were points where Syracuse looked like they were going to make it or make a run, but they just couldn't get over the hump because no one else was really scoring. Joseph Girard had 12 points. Gurry had 8 points. Dolajai had 2. Griffin had 2. Richmond had 5. Jesse Edwards had 5. And it just didn't seem like it was their night, and it was hard to watch because felt like the team finally gelled together in those first two games and figured it out that Buddy was the number one option and everyone else kind of fell in line. But once they stopped Buddy and nobody else stepped up, that was it. And if Syracuse had won that game, they would have faced Oregon State, which was the 12 seed. I would have liked their chances winning that game and going to the Final Four. Now, obviously it didn't happen. Houston was a good team. Houston beat Syracuse. They Then they beat Oregon State. And then they lost the eventual national champion, Baylor in the Final Four, so it doesn't look so bad on paper, but if you're a Syracuse fan, you don't care. You watched the game, you knew that Syracuse had a chance, and that's all you ever kind of ask for as a Syracuse fan, right? Especially these days. They're always kind of on the bubble the last few years. I'll talk about that more later in the show, but the dominoes started to fall for Syracuse after that. 
it seemed like every day there'd be a news wire that someone's leaving, someone's transferring. What's this guy doing? What's that guy doing? Well, the NCAA last year told all athletes that they could have free reign on transferring, meaning they could go to another school without sitting on a season and they would gain an extra year of eligibility for just participating last year. So Syracuse was no different. And the first person to kind of talk about transferring or leaving was Kadari Richmond, who was a backup point guard. You know, many thought he should start at times, me included. He had a prototypical point guard mentality. He could pass, he could dribble. He wasn't the greatest outside shooter, but he could improve that. And apparently he went to talk to Bayheim after the season and said, you know, am I going to start? Bayheim said the position's up for grabs. You know, there's kind of some he said, he said in there. Whatever the case, Richmond didn't like his answer. And he said, well, I'm out of here. I'm going to Seton Hall. So he was gone. Then Robert Braswell, who was a bench player but got more playing time towards the end of the season, he played nicely in the zone and would make some threes. He decides to transfer to Charlotte. Then there was Alan Griffin and Quincy Gurrier. Well, Alan Griffin was honorable mention in the ACC, but as I mentioned, Braswell, Braswell was taking his minutes towards the end of the season because Griffin was getting burned on the zone and in the doghouse in the NCAA tournament and stuff and wasn't playing as much. So he decides that he's going to go to the pros. He didn't get drafted. He played for the Lakers summer league team. He ended up getting drafted in the G League for the Santa Cruz Warriors, but then he got traded to the Rio Grande Vipers. So I'll check him out and kind of monitor his progress this season, but he was gone. And then Quincy Gurrier, which is one of the guys that I think will hurt the most because he was pretty much a walking double-double. He was second in the league in rebounding, 8.4 rebounds per game behind Champagne at Pittsburgh. And he pretty much did a lot of things. He, you know, he played center, he played forward, he could rebound. He got beat sometimes with some bigger guys, but he was getting better at it. He definitely wanted to shoot from the outside at points because he wanted to be in the pros. So he decided to go test the waters in the NBA he didn't like what he saw, but then he decided he's not coming back to Syracuse. He decided to go to Oregon this year, so he'll be playing in the Pac-12 this season. Gurrier was third-team All-ACC, and he left. And the reason I think he left was because of Bayheim, just criticizing him so much during the season about he shouldn't shoot from the outside, he needs to do better down low. Well, he was kind of an undersized center, and I think he did really well for what he was. And he did at times take some ill-advised outside shots, but they should have developed it with him and try to work with him so he would stay because having him on the team this year would make a big difference, I think. Having a two-year starter return that was third-team All-ACC, pretty much averaged a double-double, and then all of a sudden developed this three, that's a dangerous guy to have on the team and a good threat. But unfortunately... Quincy Gurrier is gone. Lastly, Dolajaz could have stayed an extra year because of the COVID waiver, but he decided to move on, and he's playing pro in Ukraine. So who's back? Joseph Gerard III's back. And a lot of people in Syracuse, and I've seen different videos and stuff like that, is he's poised to have a great season. Well, I got to see it now, because I was high on him coming in because he's a local kid. I like when local kids do well for Syracuse. That's where I grew up, and he was just flamethrower in high school with all the scoring records in New York State and everything. Obviously, playing in the ACC at a high level is different than playing high school basketball, but in his first year, he, he had some nice nice moments, for sure. 
His second season, though, he must have been at the top of the scouting report because teams keyed in on him and pressured him a lot of time on the ball. When they pressured him with the ball, he kind of would just not know what to do. And it's like, you're the point guard, man. you got to know what to do in these situations. In the NCAA tournament, he had some good shots and some good plays, and I think he's just better off the ball at times where he can run off screens or something like that or he can take one or two dribbles and pull up from Jay. But a lot of people in Syracuse are saying he's poised to have a great season, so I hope that's true. Hope he's become more of a point guard because in my eyes he's more of a two guard. Now on to Buddy Beheim, which I've already mentioned I think is the number one option and the guy that kind of carried the team last year at, at points. Well, what about this year? Last year he scored 17.8 points per game. He shot 38% from three, you know, top five in the ACC in both. Now, what's it going to be like this year? Because just like in the Houston game, teams are going to be knowing Buddy Beheim from the start. It's not like they didn't know him totally last year, but I don't think they thought of him as much of a threat. Now they think, oh, this guy can really let us up. But what's the dynamic like now? Because one of the transfers that came in is his older brother, Jimmy Beheim. So you got Jim Beheim, Buddy Beheim, and Jimmy Beheim. Now, Jimmy's not a slouch. He averaged 16.7 points per game at Cornell two years ago. He was able to play last year because Ivy League didn't play. Is having Jimmy on the team going to motivate Buddy to be better, overshadow him? I don't know. Listening to Jimmy talk a lot of times, he's definitely the more outspoken one of the brothers, and Buddy's more you know, conservative, you know, a little bit more laid back maybe. But I'm hoping that that dynamic pushes Buddy to be even better than he was because he definitely made huge strides last year, not just from three, but he had some nice drives and stuff like that and some you know easier shots from the 15 feet. Like He can do that too, and if he can make shots like that when Syracuse needs him to, then he can be counted on as the number one option. I'm looking forward to that. Jesse Edwards is back, player that came on towards the end of the season, gave Syracuse a presence down low, started to get rebounds, get blocks. I'm hoping he developed a little bit of a post game and some passing because if I'm another team in the ACC or any teams that are playing Syracuse, I'm looking at the rest of the guys in the team and saying, let's make Jesse Edwards beat us because, you know, he averaged two points a game last year. Obviously, that wasn't really planned that he was even play that much, but I'm hoping he developed himself over the summer and is poised for a great season. Barama Sidibe is hurt, so he's not going to play for a while again. Get him back would be huge. Frank Anselm, who didn't really play as much last year, so he's going to get some playing time. Jim Beheim said that he wants to play more traditional with an actual center and not small ball. Well, that's great. But can his centers actually pass out of the post? Can they make a post play? What does that mean exactly? They're going to play traditionally because traditionally when you play traditional basketball, you got guys that can get you a play in the post and they had that in Gurrier, but he's gone. So is it going to be three point dependent? Like a lot of teams are these days. What happens when they can't make the three? My questions for Jim Beheim on that one, which brings me to Benny Williams, the highly touted freshman phenom. Number 32 in the ESPN 100 list, which is a list ESPN compiles every year about the top 100 recruits. So he's the only freshman on the team. He definitely can rebound. Just watching the exhibition game, he had nine rebounds in the first game against Pace. But again, that's Pace. Can this guy get a bucket? Can he be the number two option? Will he accept the number two option? Only time will tell in that. But he's a swing man, six foot eight. They got Cole Swider from Villanova transfer 
A lot of players say that he's the best shooter on the team. He's also six foot eight. And I mentioned Jimmy Beheim. He's also on that six seven, six eight range. So they got guys that kind of can play across the line. Will those guys be able to replace the guys that were getting better at the zone towards the end of the season last year? Jim Beheim obviously thinks so. So I want to see what they can do. I mentioned Jimmy Beheim. I mentioned Cole Swider. Syracuse has another transfer. His name is Samir Torrance. He came from Marquette. He's a hometown Syracuse kid. Doesn't really have great numbers, but I'm hoping his presence will push Gerard to play better at point guard or move Gerard to the two guard. If he does that, I'm all for Torrance being on the team, just making Gerard the two guard. So I talked about last season. I talked about the guys who left. I've talked about the players that are on the team this year. And now I want to talk the schedule, because the schedule is not an easy one. Syracuse plays Lafayette first, which I mentioned. That should be an easy game, and a game where Bayheim experiments with lineups and different players and different defenses, maybe maybe a man-to-man, probably not. Then they play Drexel, which was in the NCAA tournament last year. They were in the Colonial Athletic. They got the potential player of the year in Carmen Winter. He's a preseason player of the year in the Colonial. The coach, Zach Spiker, went to Ithaca College right down the road from Syracuse. That's where I went. We went to school together. And then they play Colgate. Colgate was in the NCAA tournament. They played Arkansas pretty tough. They had them on the ropes for a long time. They've got seven out of their eight leading scorers back. Their leading scorer, Burns, is gone, but not a slouch of a team of any means. Then they go battle for Atlantis down in the Bahamas. They take on VCU, which was in the NCAA tournament last year, but they couldn't play a game because they were struck by the COVID virus and end up having to forfeit, but they've got four or five of their starters from back from last year, so they're not a slouch of a team. If Syracuse wins that game, they could potentially play Arizona State and the defending champion Baylor, or later in the tournament, even though they may lose a game here or there, they could play Michigan State or Auburn or UConn. There's a lot of good teams and opportunities there to get some quality wins. Then in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, Syracuse takes on Indiana in the Dome. Indiana's been kind of down, but it's still Indiana, right? Then they go on the road and play Florida State, which is always a tough place to play. They take on Villanova at the Garden. Then they go to Georgetown. They finish up non-conference with Lehigh and Cornell. Start more ACC play with Georgia Tech. They played Duke twice. Syracuse plays Virginia at home, Louisville at home. They play at North Carolina. And the ACC is always tough. So... Where will they be at the end of the season when it comes tournament time? Will they be a bubble team? Will they be middle of the pack? The ACC is picking them seventh, which is you know about what they were last year too. So are they better or are they worse than last year's team? Last year's starting five essentially averaged double-figure scoring. Beheim 17.8, Gurrier, 13.7, Griffin, 13.3, Dolajais and Gerard both 9.8, which is pretty darn close to being double-figure. So... Can the guys that they brought in replace that type of scoring? Looks to me like Swider can shoot from the outside, but can he get a bucket inside? Williams can rebound in these these exhibition games, but can he do it against real ACC powers, real guys in these tournaments that they're going to play in and the challenge they're going to play in against Georgetown? I think possibly he could, but to me, really, those guys coming in, They'll mesh eventually. That'll be fine. But it will be in the middle. It will be Edwards. Can Edwards step up and just be that guy that can block a couple shots and be that presence inside to get some deflections in the zone and protect the paint? 
because Syracuse really didn't have that last year, which made everyone else kind of play out of position. Gurrier really wasn't a, a center, and either was Dolajai. I mean, they're not. They're more wing guys. And if they could have a traditional center that was consistently good last year, it could have changed things. I mean, overall, making the Sweet 16 with that team was good. In my eyes, a successful season this year will be broken down into a few different parts. One, in the non-conference, if they can get a signature win against Baylor or Villanova, definitely going to beat Georgetown. You can't lose to them because it's Georgetown, right? But any one of those two teams, Indiana, they can't lose that game at home. Then in the ACC regular season, finishing six or better. In the ACC tournament, getting to the semifinals at least. And the NCAA tournament, being better than last year. So that means make the final eight. Now those are some lofty goals, but that's what I think Syracuse fans want. That's what I want. And we'll see what they can do that. I think Syracuse will be on the bubble again. Just because that's where Syracuse has been living for the last few years. Beheim embraces that underdog role. He likes it better. There's no expectations on the team. He does better, makes him look better. He sticks it to the people that have been calling him out and calling for his head and all that sort of stuff. But I just think that's where he's going to live, and that's where Syracuse will live. Now, this team has some things to hash out. As I said, Buddy, I think, is the number one option. Can Williams be a number two? Can Gerard finally distribute the ball? Can Edwards play hard down low enough to stay out of foul trouble? Can Aslam spell him? Will Sadibe come back and help Syracuse get there? A lot of questions. We don't have a lot of answers just yet because they haven't played a real game. They've been exhibition games. So as we go through the season, I'll break down the games. Please join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash domedogpod, D-O-M-E-D-A-W-G-P-O-D. Get in there, make some comments, post some stuff, ask me some questions. I'm all in. I'll be here all season. Can't wait for it. There's only one thing left to do, and that's pay off my sponsors. The Dome Dog Podcast is brought to you by Vinny's Chicken Fingers. When it comes to sauce, Vinny's the boss. And by Dr. James. When you break a bone, get James on the phone. 202-315-BONE. Thanks for joining me. I'll talk to you Tuesday after the Lafayette game.